Ash, <laughs> Matthew, why are you so upset, my young friends? <laughs> is that good. your fish moony That's impression? a good fish moony. That's, I'm working, I've been working on my fish moony. Either that or you're like a very, very old person. Welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is episode number 178, and uh, I'm one of your hosts, Matt. And I'm Scott. Hey, and I'm Ash. Hey, hey everybody. Hey. We actually, that was like one of the only times we did, we did that without fucking up. Yeah. <laughs> let's just, I let's like just... your hey, though. You were like, hey, I'm Ash. Hey. I, I forgot my name for a second, to be honest. <laughs> Hot wings and free beer. Yeah, free beer and hot wings yeah yeah uh so this is episode number 178 uh how are you guys what's going on this is like a regular episode right we're just gonna we're gonna chill it is regular episode we're kind of um celebrating late uh and seven week and kind of gearing up for for dragon age and talking about games it's gonna be a good one it's a good one got a lot going on yeah so today is actually november the 11th and it's approximately 8 p.m eastern time for, is this uh, like captain's log well, I think it's supplemental. Yeah, I, I think it's probably good to mention from time to time when we're doing this, just because sometimes we record on a Saturday and then some news will come out on Monday, which we won't speak of because we weren't there, obviously. So here we are here and it's Tuesday. So we can talk about things that actually happened on Tuesday when you hear this podcast tomorrow on Wednesday. Crazy. Crazy. I'm, I'm lost. Yeah. How does this lost? work? Well, normally, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like, uh, like the TV show Lost? I made up lyrics for the for the theme song to that show. To the Did TV you really? show Lost? Was it? This is boring. <laughs> oh, wah, things wah. happening. And the first season of that show was so good. I don't care what anybody says. And then it just gets worse and worse. We got Lindelof. They oh, <laughs> sure did. Oh. It sure did. Hey, man, he writes really great synopses of what would be a good show. And, uh, <laughs> and, he, and he just never writes an ending and drags it out, makes it about God somehow. And at some point, you're just like, what am I watching anymore? Oh, Prometheus, guys, Prometheus. Prometheus. Oh, yeah. There Prometheus. you go. By the way, my lyrics, lost. <laughs> That's the whole, <laughs> that is the intro. Yeah, yeah that right. was the whole thing. That was my it's song. Just, I hope you guys like liked it. A black screen with like whitish letters that just uh, can you sing it again lost i love it <laughs> oh i should write some lyrics to fringe next that would be good because that's that jam's a little longer you know yeah How, how's that go i don't know i can make something up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> man you blew that joke uh, <laughs> I, I have nothing i i don't i don't know what the lyrics would be fringe there you go fringe. <laughs> But it's like it's more jaunty. The tune is like a little more jaunty, you know, so you could be like, that's true. There is Peter and there's Olivia and there <laughs> is Walter and there is Astrid. Something like that. I don't know. Do, 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 do. Fringe. That's good. No, I definitely think I captured the tone of that show with, I my, think so. with my lyrical rendition. Definitely. Let's do the rundown. I actually finished Sunset Overdrive just moments ago, so we can talk about that. Yeah. Ash has been playing Sunset Overdrive. Matt completed Shadows of Mordor, so we'll talk about that. 
And, uh, oh, Matt got the uh, Halo Master Chief collection, which is awesome. And uh, I think that's it. You guys bought some Comic-Con tickets this weekend. Oh, boy, did we? Yeah, so you can regale us with your your tales of that. Lots of sweat. And then, uh, like Ash said early in the show, we are sort of late in celebrating our end seven days since uh, our release schedule, the way it works. So we will talk a little bit about some of our favorite memories from Mass Effect. This episode is once again brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is the monthly subscription service that uh, delivers a bunch of really awesome stuff for a small fee to your home. Um, And you, as a listener, can go to lootcrate.com slash ratedNA and use the code ratedNA for uh, 10% off of an awesome little bin of stuff. We're we're in between descriptions of what's coming up because we don't know what December is yet. And I think November's already closed or do we still have a few days when this comes out? I think we have a a couple days left couple days left i know it is all uh brawler and beat 'em up game sort of uh themed all the mega man and street fighter stuff and there's a new exclusive shirt and i think a few other exclusive items coming in november's bin and we tell you every month sign up for this thing it's really awesome and really fun and you get a bunch of stuff to put up around your house so head over to lootcrate.com slash rated na use the code rated na for 10 percent off and get some cool stuff delivered to your house. I can I can add some news to this. I don't know if you guys saw this. Nintendo announced that they are doing now a partnership with Loot Crate. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be possibly a separate box service. It is. Or it's whatever. like an Amiibo box. Yeah, right? but it's going to be all Amiibos. So it's almost like an Amiibo oh, subscription. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so coinciding cool. with that, um, there is a sign-up page that you can go to on Loot Crate. It's like lootcrate.com slash amiibos or something like that. So Neat. Um, you can sign up to be on the notification list to find out when that goes live. And hopefully when that goes live, you can still use the code rated NA and get all of those adorable amiibos. Re- really quick. Um, my mom visited last week and um, there was a loot crate on the table and she's like, what is this box? And I'm like, well, you need to open it. And so it was the it was the extra box we get, and she opens the extra box. It was it was already open because I looked inside, but she opens it up and starts like rooting through. It. She's like, "Oh, there's so many cool there's so many cool tchotchkes in here. Oh, <laughs> it's so there's so many nice things." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's really nice. There's like cool stuff." And she's like, "How much do you pay?" I told her how much you know how much we paid, and she's like, "That's amazing." And she was like really floored by the idea of these crates, and she went and researched you know all the different like there's like snack crate and like pet oh, yeah, crate. Yeah. And, like, yeah, there's a bunch but, of different ones. But Loot Crate is awesome, and even my mom likes it. So you should There subscribe. you go. <laughs> that should be their new it. endorsement. Ash's mom likes Ash's it. Ash's mom loves Loot Crate. Yeah, Ash's mom approved. Uh, but yeah, Loot Crate, they're awesome, and we love that they sponsored us, and uh, we think it's a great little promotion for you guys. So head over and help out the podcast. Yeah. So who's going to go first? Oh, Scott. Oh, hey. I guess there was only a 50% chance. I shouldn't have been yeah, surprised, I right? I could have said my name. <laughs> Me, Me! I go. <laughs> I'm going first. Uh, okay, so I finished Sunset Overdrive, and uh, it's it's really fun. I the I'll talk about this later in the review, but I think um, maybe its greatest folly is that it takes so long to get started because some of the content that's sort of in the back 50% of the game is really spectacular. And I uh, I made some videos that I posted to my Xbox feed showing some of the weirder things that are happening in the game or some of the more exciting moments. And uh, I'm really excited about that. I also started checking out Dragon Age The Last Court, which oh, cool. is the um, 
the sort of the text adventure game that you can access through the Dragon Age Keep. I don't really understand what's going on with it. <laughs> it's a little it's a little dense. Yeah, because there's I figured it out after a while. But... Yeah, it's kind of like a resource management system, but all of the resources are sort of interconnected in the ways that you exchange them and build them, get currency and go hunting and there's a story. Um I just would like to hopefully finish it so that I can populate my keep with whatever data belongs in the keep from the last court before I start playing Inquisition. And um, I think that's it. We haven't really been talking a lot about fall TV, but um, Grimm is back on, which I'm really excited about. And now my wife is watching Grimm in Once Upon a Time with me, which is super cool. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, the show that I like that I'm afraid is going to get canceled is uh, Bad Judge. It got uh, canceled. I haven't. Did it really? It's yeah. already been canceled. <laughs> it got canceled. Oh, this womp week. Womp. <laughs> yeah, we're, Scott we're just don't the... like shows, Scott. This is you're yeah. like show your show curse. Yeah, because uh, you guys you guys like selfie right, and that got canceled. Oh, as well. I actually never ended up watching it, even though Ash recommended it. But oh, like oh, it was selfie. Ash right? Like, but yeah, that show Ash, was canceled, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm that mistaken. got canceled. Yeah. We're we're in like the reckoning right now. Where. Shows are getting canceled. Yeah. But don't I'm sure. worry, guys. Gotham's running strong. Everybody <laughs> loves them. Some fish mooney. <laughs> Ash, <laughs> Matthew, why are you so upset, my young friends? Is that that's your good. fish mooney that's impression? That's a good fish mooney. That's, I'm working, I've been working on my fish mooney. Oh, that or man. you're like a, a very, very old person. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think the frustrating thing about Gotham is that it like could be a good, like a legitimately great show. It always like edges towards it being a great show, and then it just does the dumbest crap like around it. Where did you just, see? I the don't most care about episode? these characters. I didn't see the newest one. No, no not the mask one, but the one prior to that. I don't think so. I think I'm too behind right now. Oh, okay. Because I that one I thought was probably one of the better episodes. Was that the one that was like penguin focused? Yes, it's yeah, called. Ryan the episode is called work. Penguin's Umbrella. Yeah, Ryan came into work and was like, finally, Gotham was great last night. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, it was Penguin-focused, and it was awesome. And I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah. they just needed to, like, I don't know why they felt the need to do, like, a billion characters. They really could have done a whole season on Penguin, and it would have been fine. Sure. Yeah, because he, that guy is really good. Yeah. It, he's, his character is very compelling and interesting. And yeah, uh, yeah. you don't really, I mean, Jim Gordon is okay, but Jim Gordon needs other things going on around him to make him interesting, you know? Yeah, he's okay. They're, they're just jamming a lot in. I, I just don't, I don't get it. But anyways, it, that didn't get canceled. But yeah, I, things are, things are getting cut left and right right now. So what's wrong, Matt? Don't you <laughs> like my character? <laughs> Man, they should just hire you. Come over It'd be here amazing if let you me showed take up. a look at you. All of a sudden you are Fish Mooney. Like they don't tell the audience <laughs> that the actor's changing. It's just Scott in the same outfits as Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> she reminds like honest to god, I'm not I'm kind of being jokey but I'm not. She reminds me of um Angelica Houston's character in Captain EO. Oh, wow. Oh, you wow. think me beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> Show me your gift. Somewhere uh, there is a big Captain EO fan out there that's yeah. like squeeing. I just feel like somewhere. I feel like this is Jada Pinkett like I feel like she got turned down for Catwoman, so she's just like, fine, I'll just do it in this TV show. Who cares? Yeah. Oh, and they need to find something else for a cat girl to do other than just oh, to perch on top of perch. things. Like, because that's all she does. She's like, she's perching on a car. Scott, now she's perching on the staircase. She can see in the dark. 
Oh boy. Anyway, everything they say in that show, just I think I just let out a long sigh. I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, we're gonna say that out loud. That's fine. Yeah, sure. Well, on the flip side, uh, Grimm got a fifth season. I think is what we're. That's good now. news. Not yeah. only that, but this season is not. Uh, they've basically given up on getting new people to watch because this season just <laughs> kind of like hits the ground running and each episode runs directly into the one that preceded it or, you know, really? I mean? like it's a direct continuation of the things that happened in the prior episode. So it's like one long story, which is really awesome. That um, is cool. I like oh, that. and speaking of, have you guys been watching the latest season of South Park? No, uh, I didn't see the latest, the gaming episode. I've seen a few of them, but I think I've missed some. Okay, so I feel like they're doing something that they've never really done before, and they are carrying jokes forward from previous episodes into the next episode. So does that make sense? They've never really done that before, yeah, which is crazy. strange. Oh, like like managing a like they're keeping like a long thread through all the episodes. Not a long no, like Grimm is keeping a long thread, but in this show, like they'll do an episode where there's they'll they'll make fun of Lord or something. And then in the following episode, which is completely about something different, like the lore joke will pop up again and then kind of go away. It just like is kind of spliced into the episode. So it almost seems like everything that is happening in this season of South Park is sort of related. It feels like it actually exists in the same world. And it's not just like normal sitcom style where everything is solved at the end of the episode and then you restart, you know, from scratch in the next one. Yeah. Really strange. Anyways. So, Matt, what's up with you? Well, I'll get into what it's up with me, but I just found the list. Manhattan Love Story, A to Z, Bad Judge, Utopia, and Franklin and Bash after four seasons. All Yikes. canceled already. Oh, I'm glad Utopia was canceled. Thank God. Yeah, that looked really dumb. Yeah. And then also Selfie. You know why Selfie list. was canceled? Because of the, the guy. What's the guy's name from Harold and Kumar? Oh, uh, What Joe? about him? Yeah, he he has been in like three or four other things already that have become instantly canceled. I think he is the oh he's the he's the summer glow of our <laughs> fall TV. I think honestly, TV. it's just because the name was selfie because I couldn't even tell people like at work that I was watching it without them yeah. like spitting on me. I'm like, no, it's good. You watch selfie, they like would basically like you know shoot lasers out of their eyes to try and kill me. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> it was a good show <laughs> with a terrible name. <laughs> Um, so I beat, I don't, I couldn't remember if I did this before last episode or after, but I beat Mordor. Does anybody remember if I beat it last I, You time? hadn't, you hadn't beaten it yet because you were, okay. you were saying that I went too fast or something like that. You did. Or I, but, I played uh, but I beat it. Yeah. I looked at the stats though. Here's what is mind blowing to me, Ash. I looked at like our game stats compared. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand where you get the time. You got you got Mortar after me, and you put like eight more hours into it than I did. <laughs> well, I, I, I do. I, I, here's the deal: I wake up like I, five I hours before my wife. <laughs> I know. That. I know. We, we, we Scott and I know that because we. Anytime I get up, you are on and active in the morning on the weekend yes, already. That's true. But I also have a theory that you're not. You don't actually have a day job. Oh, I've... <laughs> oh, man. Wow. If that were the case. <laughs> Breaking news, everybody. You've just been lying to us this whole time. Don't tell that to the people that I work for. <laughs> because uh, I might be there in body, but definitely not in spirit or mind most of the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I finally beat Mordor. Um, the ending was definitely better than that weird middle section that you beat that feels like the ending that was just a bad ending. And then you're like, oh, that's not the ending. And then you keep playing and you have basically the same end on the second ending mm-hmm. it's very weird i didn't totally understand who the who the tower was where that mm-hmm. came from 
that was like out of nowhere. Didn't I didn't understand that. And then hmm. did you? Do you remember that, Ash? I remember he had the three like main henchmen, and then the 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 last two were kind of um snuffed out rather quickly. They're kind of blendy, right? Like the yeah. first one's the middle guy that you've beat before you go to the second map. Mm-hmm. And then and I thought that was actually the guy. I was like, oh, this is the guy. And then I was like, oh no, that's not the guy. That's just another guy. Yeah, they didn't um they didn't let you spend enough time with the villains in that game. They needed to yeah. make more villainy things, you know. Or just or just like not have them and just make the orcs like have more Storyfied orcs, I guess. Orcs, yeah. or what they're called, because mm-hmm. that part of the game was like honestly the the best part of the game entirely. Like that, that was so much fun. That that nemesis system was a, was great. I love that it was randomized. Like I love that they all had like random abilities and like you would you'd end up in situations where you had to like take out one guy or or you know like capture him or whatever, mm-hmm. and then he would have like three other captains around him or something, and all of them have like random, uh, you know. Uh, threats or abilities or vulnerabilities so you're like trying to figure out well how do i get like to the main guy or, or like how can i take out the other three and it always like would would screw you up somewhat and it was really fun and then once you started like pitting them against each other it got really good i i, I actually really enjoyed that part of the game and and like story aside those those like what it didn't feel like even the creators were like super hung up on you getting into this like deep story it really felt like they were like here's a great mechanic here's a really awesome awesome enemy system that'll keep you moving and we're going to put some like end boss kind of final story elements in it so that you can feel like you have completion but otherwise it just was like a good run around open world type game so yeah it was definitely light on plot but the you know the systems were pretty phenomenal i agree yeah like minus the nemesis like if it was not you know this would put it into the like more and I'm not I'm not knocking and I know we're going to talk about it later more of the Assassin's Creed kind of system where um the open world stuff really is just kind of like disparate missions you know mm-hmm. and like different there're different things you can do in different kinds of missions but like unless you're doing story points it's kind of just like there's not really an ongoing string that you can do mm-hmm. whereas order with this nemesis system like that literally is like throughout and still even after you beat it is like the whole the whole thing like you can just keep fighting oryx if you want you can keep fighting captains and taking them down and pitting them against each other and yeah i do like that they kind of just let you still play around in the world and and do whatever you want when you're done yeah i was gonna try and unlock some more stuff like not not like achievement horde but just to do it just to you know kind of beat it a little more and so then i think it, i mean it, it is an open world game sort of at its core right oh yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah totally got it yeah, like when you when you get through like the first fifteen minutes and they're like, "Welcome to the game," and then they open up the map. They open up basically the entire map. The, there's like another map that you go to, but it's the first map is large enough that it doesn't feel like you're closed off at all. Mm-hmm. At all. And even when the second map isn't like invisible walled, it's literally like a place you go and you travel to the second map kind of thing. Oh, okay. So it's it's fun. It's like a, I really really enjoyed it a lot more than I think I expected it to be good, but I ended up enjoying it like quite a bit. It's just really fun and playable. But um, also through my day job, uh, I've had to watch a lot of video for stuff, mm-hmm. and I started watching the Borgias, which Hillary really loved. Yeah, she and, talked about uh, that all the time. Yeah, dude, you need to watch that show, Ash. Like that I is, know it's on my holy list. Holy crap! The first episode, there's like a dude poisons each other. There's like poisonings and and incest and like and fighting and it's just it's p 
people paying off elections and stuff. It's like crazy. Like the stuff crazy. that happens even in one episode. And then Jeremy Irons is really good in it. And uh, the whole cast is really awesome. And it's gorgeous. It's like an absolutely gorgeous shot. I think, I think the composer is the composer from that is doing Inquisition too. So if you like the music, I think it's the oh, same guy. There you go. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. It's yeah. really like a compelling TV show. I, I genuinely liked it. I've been kind of leaning towards watching it just because it looks interesting, and I li- really love history and like that kind of historical context. And uh, it was, it was, it's cool. And I, it's something that I'm kind of surprised you haven't watched, Ash. And I think it's on Netflix, actually. Yeah, it's definitely on my list. I mean, you know, there's there's so much out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then beyond that, I was trying to think. It's just been a really, you know, we say it every time, but it's been it's been especially hectic for me this past week. So I haven't really uh, had too much gaming time or anything else. But but yeah, Ash, what have you been doing? I too watched some TV. Um, my wife went to um, Disney with some friends. And they went on like a, a a ladies Disney date, and I was uh-huh. like, ah, I'm like I'm gonna stay home and not do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I um I was looking through the old Netflix Flex queue, and I saw this show, The 100. And I remember a long time ago, not a long time ago, a couple years ago at Comic Con, I saw the pilot um at Comic Con. I didn't love it, but I I liked the the concept a lot, and um I ended up watching pretty much the whole season. <laughs> in one sitting. So there's 13 episodes and I just like binge watched it for like a day and a half. Um, and the general premise is pretty cool. So it's on Netflix now, the whole first season. And it is, a well, I won't tell you what network it's on yet. I'll tell you the premise and then I'll tell you the network. Okay. But, um, the, the premise is pretty cool. So there's an all out nuclear apocalypse and there is at a time, you know, a couple hundred years in the future where there are 13 different, uh, space stations up in the sky. And after the nuclear apocalypse, they lose contact with the ground. And so they assume everybody is completely dead and the space stations all end up linking up together and they pool their resources and basically become their own civilization up in space. So it kind of has a lot of, um, tonally it's similar to Battlestar Galactica. You know, they're, they're like the last of mankind, but they're kind of floating up in you know, up in space with, with nothing to do. And so these 13 stations have joined together to become this one big station called the Ark. Well, the first, this is just the very beginning of the first episode. Um, the population of the Ark is like overcrowded. So they have like a one child policy and they're running out of food and they're running out of air. And so they get really strict with rules. And so basically any crime you commit, you get locked up for no matter what it is, like petty theft, you know, drug use, whatever they lock you up. And all of, they have a hundred of these juvenile defenders that, um, are sent back down to earth as punishment to test and see if there's still radiation or what the <laughs> fuck's going on down there. Oh, okay. So they send, yeah. So their, their punishment essentially is going to be death by exile for these crimes that they've committed. And when they land on earth, they find out that it is actually inhabitable. And so it becomes this Lord of the fly story. And you have two stories going on at the same time. You have the story up in the space station with all of like the bureaucrats and the president or the, you know, and, and everyone in the council trying to figure out what to do to save this dying space station. You have the kids on the ground who are creating this new civilization and kind of creating new roles for themselves. Um, and it's a little, it's a little silly. Okay. It's a little, it's a little, you know, <laughs> it, it's not Shakespeare. It's a little juvenile, but, um, 
I ended up really liking the characters, and I I love that. I mean, I'm a big fan of like post-apocalyptic settings anyway. Mm-hmm. So I ended up really kind of being drawn into like what, how are they going to survive? What are they going to do next? Like, you know, what are they going to encounter? So it, it's it's a cool it's a cool story, and I like to see you know it's. It reminds me a little bit of Last of Us um, near the end when they get to see like how everything's all overgrown and it, it was just it's neat to see the Earth in like this primal state, which is the the land that they have to live in. How many episodes so, did you say there were? Um, the first season on Netflix is thirteen episodes, oh, okay. Okay. and they're just now on season two. So I, uh, season, I have yeah. one question though. Yeah, who's the hot guy? Oh man, there's a guy <laughs> named Flynn. <laughs> Flynn's the dreamiest. <laughs> Um, no, the, the, the characters are all, okay. So I'll, I'll tell you now it is a CW show. Oh, I was going to guess USA. <laughs> no, it's a CW yeah. show. So everybody in the show is like unbelievably attractive. You know, they're, they're <laughs> all essentially supermodels. So mm-hmm. you can tell like all the ugly people die first. So, <laughs> so like the five or six leads in the show are like impossibly attractive. And then like yeah. all the ugly dudes get like, you know, torn in half by like mutant monsters and stuff. Yeah. So it's uh no, but you know it's good. It's silly, like you know, cotton candy kind of fun. But um, I you know I recommend it. I recommend it. And you know it's really funny. I watched it all, and then I was driving um, back from work yesterday. I was listening to Press Reset, and fucking Nate did the same thing. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nate was talking about it, and Melissa was like, "I love that show." I'm like, "Oh no." <laughs> That's my Melissa impression. Oh, that was good. No, that was good. Uh, spot on. Spot yeah. on. Um, other than that, I, I played a bit more Sunset Overdrive. Um, I, I took a little bit of a break from it just because I was like, um, I, I, I mean, I absolutely love it, but I just I slowed down because I just I hadn't watched anything on TV um, like binge in a while, and it's a rare opportunity that I have like a whole day to myself, so that's what I did. Um, but other than that, not much. Okay. Have we all gone? Yeah, we we did yeah. it. We've oh all my done. gosh, we did it. Hey, you know what? Uh, uh, one of our uh, hotly anticipated games of this holiday season had its embargo lifted today on reviews. Want to know what game that was? I do. What game was that? News. It's uh, Ubisoft's Assassin's Creed Unity. <laughs> oh. And oh, oh boy, because this game came out today. It did. All right. It did. So there's some controversy. Am I right? This is a little bit. Um, so for our listeners that don't know how this embargo stuff works, and to be honest, when we first started this site four years ago, I didn't know what the fuck any of this stuff was. So I'll give like a quick rundown. Um, sometimes you get a game for review early, okay? And when you get a game for review early, it'll it'll come in the mail with a piece of paper that says, hey, we want to give you this game to try out and to review. Please review it. Um there's an embargo on it. Here's the date that you're allowed to publish your review of it. Okay. And normally how it works is the embargo will be lifted the night before the game is released. So if you are going to pick that game up, you can, you know, pull up Polygon or Kotaku or whatever other site gives a numerical or star review. Right. And, and then you'll be able to see the review before you go and buy the game. And that's normally how it works. Every once in a while, um, the embargo will get lifted early, and that's if the publisher absolutely loves the game and is very, very confident because it's a very risky maneuver to do that because what you're doing is you're telling all the reviewers like, hey, we're going to send the game to you super early. We're going to lift the embargo early, get the game done, finish it, put your review out you know, a week, maybe a week and a half before the game is even on the shelves. That way all the reviews are live and that could actually further drive sales. So that's that's rare too. But what Ubisoft just did with Assassin's Creed Unity is 
kind of weird. And what Ubisoft did is they actually extended their embargo till after the game had shipped and was already essentially in people's hands. So they said, hey, you can't publish your reviews until the game is already out and out for several several hours. So I think they said it was like um, 9 a.m. Eastern or something like that or 12, 12 p.m. Eastern or something to that effect. That feasibly means that someone could have stayed up at midnight downloaded the game played like eight hours of it and then written like something online and published it absolutely yeah Yeah. Yeah, it ruins the review cycle yeah oh yeah i mean i got i i did not get a review copy of this game but i did get my copy um yesterday afternoon at about 3 p.m so (laughs) a day before release really just because that's when amazon shipped it so you know the whole idea of these embargoes is strange. The thing, the reason I, I put this in the news is because normally we don't we don't report on like what is going on, like beef between sites or, or crap like that. That's not what we do. But um, Kotaku did put out something that was very interesting, and it was um, in, in a lot of ways. I don't want to say well, I have to phrase this the, cor- the correct way without without adding fuel to the fire. Kotaku essentially says we're not going to listen to you <laughs> we are gonna we are going to put our review out when the game goes live and is available to people no matter what you say on the embargo sheet because we don't think it's fair to you know to essentially hold back on our opinions on this game if you sent us a review copy our review should go out when the game goes live and so they essentially said you know in print on their site that they're not going to abide by you know what Ubisoft said in the future. If they do it again, they're just not going to listen. And they also were essentially saying, "Hey, Ubisoft, if you don't want to send us games anymore, that's fine too." Like, you know, in the article, which is actually pretty interesting, they they are saying like, "We don't, you know, it, getting review copies is nice, but it's not going to hurt us if we don't get them." Which I don't entirely believe. Um, there is oh, I don't believe that at all. Not yeah, for a second. Definitely a race to get those reviews out. I mean, if you guys saw, oh yeah, uh, just last night, um, you know, by the time I woke up for the secret day job at literally four a.m. today, by the way, which is terrible. But I checked my phone, getting ready, and I looked, and there were probably fifteen reviews up already between midnight and four a.m. So, and that's you know that's a lot. So that means they were all just kind of sitting there hovering, waiting. Cause that's you know that's when you get the traffic. So wait, are we talking about Assassin's Creed? or Are we talking about? We were talking about. I was talking about DAI. Oh, okay, yeah. Because yeah, obviously sorry. that I'm, was the, that was the joke part. Was that was the joke part? Yeah. Because that embargo was lifted as well. So do you guys have any opinions on this, or is it just like you know political yeah. BS you don't care about? Well, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to sort of deconstruct an argument that I read online today about oh, cool. about embargoes or or an opinion about this if you will I won't I won't name the opinion piece but I'm sure you can guess okay um, where this came from in the argument was sort of uh, kind of talking about like you said how the uh, how the how the sausage gets made and how embargoes work and sort of the agreement that to you know that the publisher and the press go into um, to uh you know to agree upon this right so um on the flip side you know there is an often stated argument that no one should ever pre-order games right like you should never pre-order game because like it's pointless and blah 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 like i've heard this argument you know in in a couple of different places so Mm -hmm. the question is does it matter when the review for a game comes out because if the review came out Let's say, like, we'll just talk about a fictional game now. So fictional game X 
is going to be released today, right? Let's say the review comes out two weeks ago, right? Okay. So I'll read the review. Cool. Let's say it comes out one week ago. All right. Read the review. Cool. Let's say it comes out today. If I'm not supposed to be pre-ordering games, when does it matter when I read this review? Mm Mm-hmm. It's a good point. It's a really good point. And that's why that's why I'm kind of saying like, yeah, it definitely hurts those websites if they can't oh, post yeah. it earlier cuz not only does it you know, not only does the early review have more value the longer that it can be posted, you know, before people actually get to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um it's uh you know, like I like you said, someone else could write the review anyways when the game comes out. And uh so, you know, I think there is some careful jockeying on all sides on both sides you know, to drive eyeballs to the website or to drive pre-orders or to drive people to purchase. So, I mean, it is, it is an absolute vicious cycle because you, you don't get traffic unless you have exclusive content. You don't get exclusive content unless you have traffic. So you have to constantly, like you said, there is this strange balance between, studios publishers and and journalists you know and of course well, i mean there's it's been not a lot of so that much about like too. it's not so much about like who gets it but like otherwise you know in a in a vacuum what mm-hmm. is the big deal if i'm not supposed to be pre-ordering a game you know feasibly i could read a review of a game uh you know two months from now and decide to purchase the game because in the larger scope of the universe you know outside of this realm of people that follow these uh you know, these game review sites very closely, like the average consumer might not really seek this information out anyways. And they won't even know that Dragon Age or uh, Assassin's Creed or whatever came out on this specific date. And they'll just know like, oh, you know, I heard about uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Let me go down to Target and see if they have it. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, well, I mean, to me, it's like, you know, everybody says Apple is the one that like perfected the, the idea of early adoption. But like to me, the gaming industry has been doing it for forever. They've Absolutely. created this cycle of like you want to be the first one on the game. You want to be able, to, you know, it's it's that water cooler TV moment, but it's like yep. around a sixty dollar purchase essentially mm-hmm. is what the, is what they've created. And uh, yeah, and and that's I mean I don't think it's a secret that that that's how blogs make money, right? I mean, getting early content up, getting eyeballs on sites that they have advertising, and that's how they make. That's how you make money on a site, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. especially in the numbers that we're talking when it comes to the big guys. Um, but to me, it's it's like this isn't new news in the review world. I feel like it's new news in the gaming world. But like movies do this kind of stuff all the time. Like if it's a bad movie, it generally doesn't go to review before the movie comes out. It'll like they just let reviewers see it when it comes out. And if they can get something up that day, then good for them. But otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, it goes up late. You see it constantly in magazines online. Movie reviews don't always happen because a lot of times studios are just like, Oh yeah, we just had to put that out like contractually at this point. Or mm-hmm. yeah, we just needed to get however many dollars we could get back from it. So we just put it out kind of thing. Um, so I don't know. I, I think like you said, Scott, there are people who pay very close attention to these review sites and that's who maybe this is affecting, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, the point that I'm making is that it's funny to me to read an article that basically, you know, complains about not being able to post a review when they want to. And then at the same time, reading another article that also says that no one should ever pre-order games. Right. So, right. you know, can't have your cake and eat it, too. Those are those are kind of two two sides of the same coin. But that's just my opinion, if you will. <laughs> 
So what really no. grinds your gears? That's you know <laughs> I just I know I kind of did a grind my gears. I I snuck it in there on you guys. No, I mean it is definitely interesting. And on that same note, um, you know, talking about embargoes and stuff, um, Dragon Age Inquisition did uh, essentially lift their embargo early, or else they had planned for quite some time to you know um, have their embargo lift a week before the game comes out. But uh, it's lifted, and reviews are glowingly positive. So um, hats off to. Everybody uh, on the Dragon Age team at Bioware. It looks like you guys made a good game. Um, yeah. We have not played the single player. We did, got to play the multiplayer a little bit at PAX, but that is it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was it was good to see. It was good to wake up and see, um, you know, the Weekses and everybody incredibly happy. Um, you know, I, I, a couple of the, the folks tweeted at me that they've been working on it literally for almost four years of their, of their life. So, yeah, it's you know, a big I, deal. It is a it is a huge deal, and um, I know they kind of put their heart and soul into it. And you know, coming out of Dragon Age two and having that much weight on your shoulders to create an excellent product, I, I can't really fathom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how how difficult that must have been. You know, just yeah. they had so they had so many eyes on them, so many people just waiting, waiting yeah. for them to fuck up, and then lo and behold, they didn't <clears throat> fuck up. Oh so man, was, I thought I thought. I actually like both games for different reasons. To be honest I did too. Yeah. I did too. I mean, if you actually go search our archives and look for my review of Dragon Age 2, it's actually kind of positive. I think I said I liked the companions more in 2 than I liked in Dragon Age Origins, which some people might get pissed at. But yep. I really loved Varric. I loved, you know, I loved a lot of the Aveline. I thought they were incredible. So I kind of liked, uh, I liked the gameplay. I, you know, because I wanted, I didn't want to play tactical style. I wanted to play action style. Yeah. And Dragon Age Two was very conducive to that. And you know, if I can just take my debate cap off for a second, obviously you can. If you want to pre-order games, pre-order games. Who cares? Like, <laughs> it's your money. Do whatever you yeah, want with yeah. it. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Well, uh, I was just kind of like illustrating that there are arguments out there for it. But you know, if that's what you want to do and you want to get like the little uh, exclusive thingamajigs that come with those pre-orders, like by all means, like go for it, have fun. You know, if you're not having fun playing games, then what's the point, right? What's the point of playing, right? For sure. Very cool. What is the point? What's the point of anything? Oh, God. I don't know. So speaking of what's the point, um, talk about Halo. Halo Good Lord. (laughs) Wow. I'm just kidding. Jeez. I I liked Halo 4. Um, (laughs) Kind of backhanded do, comment. Do that? you remember? I mean, there was we've 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 tread this road on an earlier podcast. We don't need to go down this road again. The whole Mass Effect versus the grand, like the first twenty episodes. Space oh aliens. my god, ground aliens versus ground space aliens versus space aliens. Like Halo arguments. We don't I'm we don't need kidding. to do this. Again. I actually like the Halo franchise. I just yeah. like. I'm I actually like I'm actually really excited to hear about this because I I think it's a. Uh, well, you uh, you uh, you put we have a little we have a group messaging app that we yes. use together to stay in touch, and you wrote something very. I thought uh, on point, if you will. Okay. Which was you were like, yeah. At first, I questioned like why anybody would want like to buy a, a bunch of old games essentially packaged into a new package. Mm-hmm. But then you were like, but then I realized if they did this for Mass Effect, I'd buy it in a second. You know? Oh like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I, you know, like then I realized that you know you're a huge Halo fan. Our buddy Ryan is a huge Halo yeah. fan. I believe he's buying an Xbox One specifically because this came out. Oh, it's about time, dude. I know, right? Jesus, yeah. I've been telling him. I, I told him, I was like, just go get the Assassin's Creed bundle. You get free Assassin's Creed games and you get, you know, an Xbox with it, essentially. And then yeah. it's not a bad deal. That's what uh, my wife forgot. Yeah, it's not a bad deal. You know, I mean, good or bad on Unity, who really cares? It's it's still a good deal to, to get a couple free games. But anyway, anyways, excuse me. Uh, Halo Master Chief Collection came out. They announced this, like, I think at the Xbox launch, didn't they? 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, I downloaded it because I don't like GameStop. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I try to say something new every time I download a game. Uh, That's kind of funny. I feel like you should work that into your stand-up routine. I've been working on it for 30 years. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a really good joke. I'm, I don't mean to break up your rhythm, but like, oh, thanks. that That's was a, great. Uh, I, I need compliments, otherwise Unexpected. I'll cry in the corner. Um, <laughs> or else hey, you don't get paid. Yeah. Uh, they, they, charge, they pay me by compli- compliment quote. What? Ugh, I'm real <laughs> tired, guys. Um, Halo Master Chief Collection came out. Uh, it's pretty cool. I haven't been able to play it yet. I grabbed it last night and uh, downloaded the whole thing. It comes with, unless I'm completely mistaken, and I was in a very like borderline hallucinatory state at the point that I downloaded it, but I think it comes with Spartan Assault, came with a, a Halo channel, which is like a whole TV channel dedicated to Halo content. It's got, um, what was the TV series? Ti- not Titanfall. <laughs> <laughs> Not Titanfall, uh, Halo... Oh, yeah, I, I don't remember. Whatever, the TV series, and then it's got, like, uh, a whole bunch of, like, clips on interviews and, you know, things with composers and creators and actors, and it, it's really kind of awesome, just a wealth of Halo content if you just want to kind of, like, sit out and watch some Halo stuff. And then, of course, it comes with Halo 1 through 4 and, and, uh, and uh, Reach, right? Am I oh, making really? things up now? I don't know if it comes with Reach, but... I thought I, it was just should, uh, uh, 1, 2, 3, and 4. Let me look up Halo MasterChef. <laughs> I don't think it comes with Reach, but I... Does it Reach come was... with MasterChef? I, no, uh, it doesn't come with MasterChef. I don't think it comes with Reach or ODST. I think it is just the Master Chief collection. You guys back me up for once instead of chopping all over everything I said. Well, so we'll it comes with Halo up. 2, 3, 4, and the multiplayer modes. Me, 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 me. Then why did I get... Did I already have it and I just put it next to it? But maybe you already own Spartan Assault. Maybe you already own Spartan Assault, I mean, it was Assault, a Games with Gold promotion, if I remember correctly. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it does come with, it's called Halo Nightfall. I was oh, so there you go. But anyways, uh, downloaded it last night. The, the interesting thing, and you, I think you can get this still, I don't think it was a pre-order thing, um, is you will get access to the Halo 5 beta, which got revealed along with it, which will be on December 29th. It's going to be three multiplayer maps and I think five days of gameplay, if I'm not incorrect. Um, and the Halo 5 looks kind of gorgeous, if you like. I mean, it's it's clearly using all of the next-gen power, so, or current-gen power, if you will. Um, but it looks pretty cool. So I just had a note about that. Game came out. Have you, uh, did you dip into any of the games yet? I literally, I, it was, do you remember the schedule that I told you? Yeah, I, I know you've yesterday? been working like a crazy person. I just didn't know if you had a chance to just like boot up Halo 1 to see like no, I got Halo it, 2. It, it arrived at 3 a.m. in the morning, so I went to uh, shortly thereafter. Um, well, next but, week we'll talk about some Halo. Next week we'll talk about some Halo. It was mostly that the beta got revealed. It'll be December 29th, and they revealed that it'll be three multiplayer maps, I think five days of gameplay, and some something else along with it. So pretty neat Halo stuff. I'm happy that it's back. I'm ready for Halo 5. I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> that's exciting. I thought, I mean, I honestly, I thought, uh, did you and I play Halo 3 together? Did we go through that campaign? We did. Yeah. Yeah. And then I played uh, I played Halo 4 mostly with our friend Bill. And we all played Reach together. Yeah, we all played Reach together, which was awesome. And I thought Halo 4 was actually really good. I think that was the first one made by a different studio, right? 343, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I thought Halo 4 was great. I thought yeah. Reach was a really awesome swan song, and I thought 
four was was absolutely wonderful. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think three four three it's definitely in good hands. They they upresed everything, so like all the cutscenes are 1080p. I think now and all the halos and should look pretty awesome. So I'm pretty pretty stoked to play it. I mean, um, Ash, if there were a Gears of War uh, compendium, would you get that for the? Oh sure, for Xbox yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. play through those again in a second. I yeah, love those yeah. games. my personal one that you know that is not Mass Effect would have to be Dead Space. I would love oh, to yeah. see. Yeah. Dead Space 1, 2, and 3, like, with the graphics engine even pushed even harder than it is in, like, Dead Space 2 yeah. and 3 into something that would look um, current gen. I, it would, like, blow my mind. Well, if, uh, this thing sells like they, if this thing sells like apparently Xbox is, is expecting it to, maybe you'll start. Maybe this will be the new thing on the current gen. It's going to be a huge holiday seller. It's going to be, you know, everyone's going to be getting ones for the holiday and they're going to be getting that game. Like all the kids yeah. will be getting Halo yeah. Collection. I mean, you and forget then... how big Halo is, you know. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's like a game changer, I guess. That's, it's it is, a great it's game. what put it's Xbox on the map. The yeah. whole, whole thing. Yeah. I was hoping you would just boot it up and be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sing it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> by myself i'm gonna make a sandwich <laughs> this goes like way back to our college days like even uh oh god yeah yeah when we would just uh play halo all day as i'm sure many college students did right just sit around and play nope, halo. just the four of us yeah just, we were the only ones we were the only <laughs> ones just kept it going we logged a lot of hours on xbox live for halo that's why they they were like those guys seem like they need some more of these mm-hmm. scott refused to play halo too it was kind of humorous I was bad at it at first, especially when you, you know, like when you get into multiplayer, that was, uh, I'm, you know, for our listeners, I'm left-handed and basically I had everything Nintendo. So I would play Nintendo 64 Southpaw. And then when Halo came out and we were all swapping controllers around, yeah. it was like, oh, you got to switch your controls again. So it's like, okay, fine, <laughs> I'll play like the normal way. And then I was terrible at it. And then eventually I learned how to play, you know, right-handed. But uh, at the time, that's a, that's a hard hill to climb, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, switching hands. I understand that. Hey, I'm sorry, speaking we, I'm sorry of, uh, we were so torturous to you. Speaking right. of hard hills to climb, yeah. um, we got some Comic-Con tickets. Um, oh, boy. And let's, let's t- just talk for a minute about the <laughs> what you have to do these days because I don't know if our listeners really get it. I mean, um, it's better. It's better. We should preface this with way back in the day like four years ago when we would talk about getting comic-con tickets on the podcast yeah it was nightmare like it it was was so terrible the experience was beyond stressful and awful and it barely ever worked you didn't know how many times your credit card got charged like it was a bad experience so it would break and crash yeah they've gotten over that that doesn't happen anymore right so now it is honestly um how it works is uh if you attended comic-con last year as a regular attendee you keep your badge with you. There's a number on your badge. You have this, you know, sign-in code. And we're talking about San Diego, San Diego Comic Con, by the way. Um, and they open up pre-registration for attendees for last year very early. So the pre-registration was uh, just last weekend, which is one of the reasons why we didn't record on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and Scott was on a secret mission again, right? Weren't you, Scott? Yeah, it was uh, the this past weekend was my wife's birthday, so I was oh secret out. super yep. secret mission. Yep. Um, so anyway, you you have all this this crap you need to log in, and you essentially get in queue, and they randomly pull you out of queue to buy a ticket, so you don't know if you're going to get pulled at all. And we had I still think uh, it's air quotes random. I'm still not. Convinced I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, but we had let's see one, 
two, three, four, I think four of us in the queue. And if any one of us got in, we'd be able to get tickets for the others. And uh, one of us was able to get in, but only one yeah. of us. Like I didn't get in at all. I don't know if uh, you Melissa guys... got in. Melissa got in shortly after Haley. We should say our friend Haley, who who got us all the tickets, which is amazing. Yes. Uh, uh, Melissa got in shortly after Haley, but preview night was already sold out when Melissa got in. Okay, so we. So, you guys still would have gotten to go, just not with preview night. This almost sounds no pre- like Wonka esque. You know, everyone's just oh, pulling apart is. the candy bars until someone finds the ticket, right? No, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty insane. crazy. And it's I don't think we got crazy. to talk about this, but uh, did you see that uh, New York Comic Con surpassed SDCC this year? In terms of attendees? 151,000 people oh, in New York Oh, that Comic-Con is this year. not good. It's <laughs> <laughs> too many so, people, man. That's way too many people. 20,000 people more than attend SDCC. I can't even uh, fathom at that. New York Comic Con this year. Yeah, so I don't, I think. Much like the New York real estate, I feel like this is going to stop at some point. <laughs> it yeah. just can't keep growing at this clip. Like, nothing's big enough to hold it anymore. Like, it's just, yeah. it's insane. They're they're outgrowing what they originally were. You know, I mean, a lot of people, like, a lot of the hardcore people don't even like SDCC anymore because yeah. it doesn't feel like it is Schwing a Comic-Con, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. It's like you show up and now there's, like, CW's airing, you know, their their new kids' drama and then, like, CBS is airing its brand new, you know, primetime, like, drama cop show. And you're like, this isn't comic. What are we watching (laughs) right now? Yeah, it's true. So, uh, I don't know. It just feels like when I saw the New York, because New York used to always do about like 80,000, 90,000. And then uh, this past, like, two years ago was 130, which was really close to SDCC. And then this year was 150. So, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, but you got them. You got tickets. We got them. I look forward to it. I told Melissa I was like, this year, this past year was kind of a uh, hectically crappy one when we went to Comic Con, and I'm like, this next one, want to go back to doing our thing. We like to go. Ash likes it too, but we like to go super early and like go to L.A. or somewhere and hang out for a few days, and then go into San Diego. And Ash comes in super early so that he can we can kind of chill before we start. You know, like we get there Mm -hmm. a day ahead and. Then you've got all preview day just to kind of get ready for it, you know. So you go to that bar out back where the pool yeah. is, like in the pool back, bar. the cabana. Is yeah, glorious. That's what I'm talking about. If only their drinks weren't like fourteen dollars a drink, it'd be yeah. the best place ever. Yeah, I went to a <laughs> uh, professional conference there once, and uh, it was uh, it was an experience for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think like Christina, me, and Melissa each had like a drink or two. And I was like, oh, I'll get the tab, and it was like seventy eight dollars. I was like, okie doke. <laughs> I will not be getting tabs anymore at this bar. Um, but, yeah, it's still fun. I love it. It's as crazy as it gets. And as much as, you know, we go through this weird, like, love-hate all the way leading through it. But at the end of the day, I miss it. So I'm ready to go back. I'm really glad we got tickets. Hell, yeah. Um, so so Let's talk one... about the Obama. Yeah, this is really actually, <laughs> I think, like, as, as you know, it's funny because we talk about, you know, like, embargoes and, you know, beta access there's something actually very important that happened this week and i thought we would be want to not mention it or want to mention it want to you know what i mean we need to want not to mention it yeah that's what i meant is that what you're trying to say yes okay uh but obama came out this week and basically went in support for net neutrality saying that it should be classified and this gets really weird and hard and i'll try to explain it as best as i kind of understand it Mm -hmm. but um it should be classified under this sort of like archaic uh, 
public utility law called Title II and then a bunch of numbers basically saying that everyone has equal right to the Internet and all people have equal access to the uh, to highways on the Internet, for lack of a better term. So what's been happening behind the scenes, there's been this war with the people providing you with the Internet and the people putting content on the Internet and even you, to an extent, dealing with the Internet going on sort of behind the scenes where Netflix was the big one. Um, for those that don't know, Netflix accounts for something like 40% of all internet traffic in and out of the States, mm-hmm. which is humongous. Uh, they have 80 million subscribers, I think, and they're, they're a gigantic force on the internet. And Comcast, which is the biggest internet provider in the country and soon to be even bigger if the FCC lets them buy Time Warner, um, said that uh, basically... We don't like having to do all this internet for you. You guys should be paying extra because you're so big. So we're going to tank your traffic until you pay us so that we can give you – and we'll give you special access to high-speed pipes if you pay us X amount of dollars for every, you know – Pure pure evil right there. Meg that goes through. It is. It's terrible. And what happened was traffic dropped quickly, and, they, and Netflix publicly put up a chart. I actually really love Netflix because their CEO like does not give a shit about anyone mm-hmm. and will just throw anyone at the fire if he wants to. And they put up this big graph that basically showed the, the big telecoms that were tanking their traffic on purpose. And you can see it. like It's like a, like a plateau line, and then the moment they demanded money, the traffic just dips like crazy low. Slower than than you know some of the DSL providers and stuff. So, uh, they did end up uh, saying okay and paying Comcast, um, but basically said we're not. This is not the end. Like we're going to take this to the court. It's been in and out of everything. The FCC the FCC has been sort of tangentially involved, uh, and then the president comes out and says, nope, this is this is a right, not a not a privilege. Everyone needs to have access to the internet, which wow. equal access to the internet, which is so immensely important. I can't even. It's put a utility, it into not words. a service. At this point, correct. That's the idea. Yeah. Basically, saying that uh, the government and the, and then you know, of course, the fucking wackadoos come out of the woodwork and start saying things like Obama's trying to turn the internet into a government service. That's not what this does. Yeah. <laughs> like or uh, like uh, net neutrality is the Obamacare. Oh the, god, that was the worst. Of the internet or something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember the quote exactly. It, it, it was that. It was it was net neutrality is the Obamacare of of the internet of of uh, yeah the internet or something like that. And um, uh, basically, what this what this will do if if it ends up going into getting passed and becoming a thing is it basically says. Uh, Comcast, we'll use as an example, who will provide you your internet, will be regulated in a way to prove that they're giving equal access to all content providers and all people paying for the internet. Now, it doesn't mean that Comcast can't charge what they want to charge. Uh, I think there may be regulations on uh, like their packaging abilities and stuff, but I guarantee you Comcast will find a way out of it and, and make money on this. It's, it's, this, it's the equivalent of you paying the power company. Like, Power is not a privilege. You know, everyone mm-hmm. should have the ability to get electricity in their home. Everybody should have the ability to have a telephone line, and everybody should have the ability to have uh, internet. It, these are these are basic, basic, and public TV and radio. That's that's what we're looking at. So this is not like all of a sudden it's going to turn it into a public utility, and you know we're all going to get free internet. Like that's not mm-hmm. happening. This is mm-hmm. just 
the most basic of regulations to make sure that we don't get screwed. And and honestly, the the more important part of it to me is that without equal access to the internet, things like nerd appropriate wouldn't exist. Period. If if we had to pay to get you know, preferential treatment to get our podcast on the air or to host a site, I mean, we pay for it obviously yeah. for the service. But if we then had to turn around and pay every internet provider who was allowing our content through, uh, which would be the equivalent of Comcast going, oh, okay, so you want Comcast subscribers to see Nerd Appropriate, you know, we're going to need to have preferential treatment or we're going to put ads all over your site that we will take money away from. You know, we'll basically tank your user experience so that we can still make money off of you guys being a it's site. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it is crazy. It's nuts. And anytime you hear somebody come out in, against net, to, net neutrality, I... I encourage you to go see if, if it's a politician to see how much money they're getting from those places. And I think Gizmodo actually just put up a really nice chart that shows shockingly Ted Cruz, the guy who said Obamacare or, or the net neutrality is Obamacare or the internet is the fourth highest paid, uh, guy from the telecoms in politics, oh, yeah. $47,000 to his last campaign, I believe. Jeez. Um, so I, I, I encourage you to go look at who's saying that because I'm guaranteeing that they are either involved in telecom, that they are a politician who's getting some preferential treatment from telecoms or are in some way lobbying for telecoms because I mean, the it, only it, people who are against net neutrality yeah, at this point say, are people. It doesn't make any sense price. to be against it. It, I mean, it absolutely defies all logic. Yeah. So well, that's good. Well, um, at least, you know, it is encouraging that the positive, that the, yeah. Yeah, that the highest office is finally because everybody's been pushing for them to come out and say something. They've they've stayed very mum on this. It's really encouraging to see them come out and and support the idea that this is a this is a right, not a privilege. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yay the for Obama. More you know, well now I, now Obama won't get swatted and doxxed and all that stuff. Oh. <laughs> Swat Obama! <laughs> uh, oh boy, he still will. Don't worry. I mean, uh, probably. The 24-hour news cycle is strong. Don't forget. <laughs> so that was the news. Let's take a break. All and right. Let's hear we'll Scott some of Scott's thoughts on uh, on Sunset Overdrive. Excellent. Sunset Overdrive. Gents, Hello. Let's, let's talk about Sunset Overdrive a little bit. Let's do it. Cool. So I just completed the game. It, I'm jealous, uh, man. I'm jealous because I actually really love this game. Yeah. I mean, the more... Okay. It's it's weird. And that's kind of what I previewed uh, at the top of the show was that um, it it is fun. Like, the game is fun when you start playing it. But sort of in the way that Fuse took a while to get going. Right? Fuse? Is that the game that they made? Yeah. Fire? Yeah. yeah. Sort of in the same way that Fuse took a while to get going, this game also takes a while to sort of get going. because yeah, they you don't, don't give you a lot of your cool shit for a while. Yeah, you don't start the game out with all of the stuff that you get to do by the end. And while I understand that there needs to be some kind of progression in the game, I think that uh, maybe withholding the like the character abilities was not the right way to do it, you know? And... Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff in the game I sort of figured out on my own, like the ability that, you know, you could run along walls with the X button and, uh, 
and then some things unlock over time. So you have you have an ability to sort of slam down and then jump high up into the air to reach higher places and stuff like that. But anyways, um, so we talked about Sunset Overdrive a little bit last week. It is sort of the core or maybe the outer loop, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Is It's an open world game. It's a shooter. But I think it has more in common with um, like a Tony Hawk game than it does like a Saints Row game, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. It's... um. Like you said last week, it's totally punk rock. Um, it's got this original soundtrack of like four chord punk rock tunes. That's so awesome! I, I'm like, that's half the reason I want to get it and check it's it out. It's really now. good too. It's really good. Um, I think The Verge did a really great article about the music for this game, and they got a lot of um, local LA like garage punk bands to just record original stuff as that's their cool. soundtrack, and it's it's all like really really fun. So yeah, I definitely, really if you cool. like that kind of stuff, you'll love it. There's even a I won't I won't give it away, but there's a cameo later in the game as well. Oh, cool! Don't give it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, the soundtrack is amazing. The um, I think what draws a lot of people to this game and why it stands out is the whole attitude of the game is not like you said last week. It's not sort of like that sad, uh, you know, the old gen where everything's like gray, gray tones with brown and like these dull colors like. Uh, in Sunset, Sunset Overdrive, everything pops in the environment. It's bright colors. It's almost always daytime in the game. Um, your character is just saying funny things all the time. All of the enemies explode comically when you kill them. Um, the game gives you a ton of really interesting weapons to play around with. There are a lot. I think there's like 20 or something to that effect. Yeah, right? and they're adding more. I think that if you had pre-ordered or if you've purchased the Season Pass... I think you would have gotten a couple extra weapons right away. Wow. They um, One of the first DLC content packs they're releasing is another pack of six weapons. Um, in addition to your regular weapons, you have traps. There are points in the game where you do sort of like a tower defense, um, where you get to set up traps inside of an environment, and then you fight off hordes of enemies while you defend your base. Um, and then, you know, it's got a lot of the other uh, trappings of an open world game. So there's, you know, a bazillion things to collect. There's some weird side quests where it's like, run over here and kill these guys or, you know, collect all these flibber jabs and bring them back to me so that we can go through the game. But what makes this game different is that by the time you get to the end of the game, they just start making fun of that. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's what makes it so ridiculous. I've been collecting shit forever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very self-referential and sort of breaks the fourth wall. You can um, customize your character with these badges that give you permanent boosts to your character. But one of the badges is just a permanent announcer in the game. That's the one I'm using. <laughs> yeah, I use it too because who who gives a shit? It's awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I have this ability, uh, secondary ability that as my character levels up, you start doing tricks and stuff. You you build this power meter that unlocks these special badges that you're wearing. And uh, one of them I'm wearing um, starts dropping lightning everywhere, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so the commentator will be like, death by you know (laughs) just say stupid shit he'll be like that was incredible there's even a mission where they uh where he basically makes fun of killer instinct you know oh really (laughs) he's like super mega ultra combo that's awesome i love it i I just got to the mission this isn't really a spoiler but Mm. where you encounter um the larpers yeah and i absolutely love it because what i mean what they do is they actually inhabit the world with a lot of really interesting 
uh, quest givers and characters. So basically, you know, as we said last week, the whole idea is you're trapped in this this city and there's this outbreak of um, uh, I guess it's a virus of some sort. You know, people it's like in the energy drinks. Yeah, it's inside the energy drinks. There's all these crazy giant mutants and there's robots and stuff running around the town. But there's also other survivors and. Um, uh, I, I won't reveal at least for a week or two who my favorite was so far. Yeah, but I have not laughed so hard in a, at a game, and in, in probably I don't know since maybe Saints Row the Third, just at the ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. But there's one scene in particular where you have to rescue someone, and the rescue scene is so fucking ridiculous that I, I was literally my wife was just staring at me. <laughs> I was like holding the controller in my hand, just like giggling like an idiot because I had never had to do anything like this in a game ever in my life. And I'm like, I can't believe I have to do this. Yeah. I mean, there's some other, there's some good shit you have yet to come that you haven't seen. And it's, uh, it just, I mean, the, the humor is maintained throughout the whole game, which is great. And it's not like the humor that's in saints row because that's sort of a little more, I don't know. I feel like it's sort of crude in a different way. Um, this game is sort of more punk rock and the, the humor is sort of bubbly and, um, uh, like, not relevant to anything. It's just kind of like jokes, jokes about games. And there's like a joke about Neo gaff in there, like all kinds of weird stuff. Right. So, uh, you know, they definitely, the game is sort of self-aware in that sense, which I think is really great. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the actual traversal system, which I think is what really differentiates this game from other open world sort of adventure shooting games. And, um, that's what I was talking about with the Tony Hawk mechanic. And, it took me, you know, maybe 10 hours or five to 10 hours to like figure out that system. But once you get it, it is awesome. Isn't it really good? Dude, I think like, it's like once you get the air dash that it yes. all just all starts working and you're like, oh, okay, I can basically traverse this whole city without like touching the ground. Without touching point. the ground. And there is yeah. an achievement for, for doing uh, a bunch of combo moves without touching the ground. Oh, no way. Yeah. It's called the floor is lava. You have to do like a. 100 like combo chain tony hawk combo chain without touching the ground i gotta get that one yeah but it's just a lot of fun in there um you know the side missions sort of blend into that so there are some side missions that challenge your traversal skill they call them traversal challenges um there are some other sort of like speed skills where you have to collect a bunch of stuff before the timer runs out yeah yeah like i uh i made a video clip of this but there's a scene later in the game where it's like complete chaos and um, you can just surf along the power lines in the city and you're just like raining down explosions and terror, like onto the enemies below as you're like mm. cruising down the streets and everything. And it's like, it is so awesome when you get to those points in the game where hordes of enemies are kind of all clustered together and then you just start dropping explosives in there. Mm-hmm. It's so satisfying. Like there's so much stimulus in the game that it's, it's overwhelming and you can, um, like I said with the uh, announcer, there are things that you can put on your – there are modifications for weapons too. And you can put things on your weapons that have no in-game benefit whatsoever. So you can make one where it's like when the enemies die, they explode into confetti <laughs> or like they turn into flowers. <laughs> and you're like, who would I ever use this. that? And I then I put this. it on a weapon and I was like, oh, no, I'm using this all the time because this is awesome. You know? Yeah. Out of curiosity, what um, does your character currently look like? Okay. So – the thing with me in character creation is that I usually don't um, change clothes a lot. I like to make sort of very normal looking characters, but characters that I think are kind of cool. 
Okay. So like you get, you know, every faction that you work with and every time you complete a mission, you get all this crazy um, gear, like headpieces and makeup and eye patches and all kinds of crazy shit. But, um, you know, at the end of the game, I basically just wound up with um, a female character because I like the voice acting of the female character. Is she's really good. I, I picked a female as well, and I yeah. look. She actually hasn't done a lot of video game work, but she she's has an awesome awesome voice. I hope she she acts a little bit more in games. Yeah, I think I think the problem is that with the guy character, he kind of comes across a little douchey and arrogant. Yeah, and the female character is just um, her take on the vocal performance is just kind of more like, "Hey, we're having a good time." Yeah, like, like I don't what, give a fuck. Yeah, awesome, I don't give yeah. a shit. What do you want yeah. me to do? Like, all right, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, so, I, her her voice performance basically made me turn my character into Tank Girl because like she kind of reminds me of like what I would imagine the Tank Girl character yeah, to sound like. Yeah, so, so just mean, this sort of po- post apocalyptic kind of punk rock, you know, fun character. So yeah, my character just has like space leggings and like a sleeveless shirt and a scarf and uh, like thick rim glasses. Like that's <laughs> it. You know, just just totally like a nerd, like a punk rock nerd, and I just fly around the city and blow things up. Awesome. Um, awesome. So I think that, uh, you know, like it isn't okay. So I think people should play this game I with too. the caveat that this is still an open world game. So if you can either tolerate collecting things or you enjoy collecting things or you can ignore that part of the game, you know, you'll still have a good time. But, you know, you still will do all of those like side quests and other things like that. But the main storyline and the main quests in the game are completely ridiculous. And the humor is so refreshing sort of in the uh, landscape of games that we have currently that I think that it is definitely worth, worth looking at. Or, you know, like if you've played, like if you've played Saints Row and you like that series, then you should play Sunset Overdrive because it's sort of in the same wheelhouse, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, what I totally do you, agree. What do you think? Any any closing thoughts? Well, I mean, I honestly think that um, you know, this being an Xbox One exclusive, I think this title stands out from really anything that's on the market right mm-hmm. now. Um, and I think it's a game that it, while there is a lot of adult humor and there's swearing and and some adult themes, I do think like for someone who's like 16, 17, 18 years old, it's probably okay to play. Yeah. And I do think it's a it's a good showpiece for. Um, not only the Xbox One, but also the type of games I'd like to see more of. Because, you know, we talk about it all the time. Games tend to get very samey, and we tend to see the same games over and over again. It was so nice to just get my hands on a game that I could sit down and play for half an hour and just, like, laugh and, like, grind around and listen to music and blow stuff up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it was just a lighthearted, fun game. And also, um, I've had a really good time. There's a lot of challenges in game, and you can see what your Xbox Live friends get on those challenges yeah. and try and beat them. I've been having a blast, like, trying to beat you guys. Because yep. you guys are like you and Kyle. And um, Oh, I'm I, crushing Kyle. He's not going to beat me. He's only got me in a couple. <laughs> I, I aced all of those challenges, some of them more than others. But I made yeah. sure, like... Where possible, I try to get that top spot before I move on to the next one. Oh yeah, see that makes it that makes it really really fun. So yeah. it's it's fun like surpassing your friends and unlocking new stuff. Um, you know, we'll probably still be playing this game. I'm assuming until Dragon Age Inquisition comes out. Yeah, and I mean, then, there's an online mode too, which you know yeah, we didn't I really would, talk about. I only I played it one say, time. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to give that a shot with you guys and and run around to blow some stuff up. Yeah, it's kind of like a. I think it's somewhere between four and eight player multiplayer. It's basically some of the challenges that you already do in the single player game, but sort of on the level of scaled up to four to eight players where 
everybody is competing against one another, but you're also working together as a team so that everybody achieves this sort of team high score by the end of the game. And by playing in the multiplayer, you unlock, um, you know, additional items, cash, things that you can bring back into your, your regular game. And you take your character into the multiplayer game as well. And uh, the only other thing I'll say about sort of the next gen, current gen thing is I realized this game was a new generation game when I went into a building and then when I went out, I my mind expected a loading screen and then the doors opened and I was outside. And oh, I was wow. Like, oh, right. Like when you walk into the building, there is no loading and there's no loading walking out of the building because, hey, like we don't have to do that stuff anymore. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, Sunset Overdrive. That's good stuff. Good Sweet. stuff. I guess talk for just a couple minutes about um, and seven day, and then I guess we're going to share a link to, uh, for you guys to um, a lot of your end seven day memories. We had a, a post up on our Facebook that actually got a lot of traffic, and we were asking you guys to post uh, pictures of your end seven day outfits, which we got a lot of, which we'll put put in there, and also your end seven day memories. So mm-hmm. um, all of us here on the show are big fans of Mass Effect, um, have been for a long time. And N7 Day is cool because you get to see, you know, people from all over the world kind of sharing their passion for this super cool IP. So, um, you know, let's really quickly talk about some of our favorite N7 Day memories. And then at the end, we'll share the link so you guys can check out everybody else's. Well, I I think that we're going to have to start with our community day, right? Yeah. Which is, I think, the first and only time that we've ever tried to organize, formally organize a gameplay session with... um, you know, people in our community. And, uh, we, you know, this was in the, uh, old, in the old Xbox 360 days where you couldn't, couldn't easily get people together in a game and make parties and stuff like that. So it was a huge challenge. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Because now you can, uh, you know, you can get people in the game without being like, basically we had to friend every single person that we wanted to play with, even though you don't, you don't technically have to do that, but it's easier that way. Right. And, uh, you know, Mass Effect multiplayer only supports uh, four people in games. So we had parties of four um, and which ended up being like, right. No, you can have parties can be eight people. Right. But the game only supports four. So can't you have two different groups running in the same party? Am I right about that or no? We had. Yeah, we had. um we ended up having to split it because it was got too hectic. So you, we split it into like uh, I think we had three or four different parties of we had at four least four at groups because I remember yeah. Nate Nate jumped in and helped out as well mm-hmm. with the community madness. But I I just think that given all of the technical challenges involved in getting that organized, it pretty much went off without a hitch, and everybody had a really good time. And yeah, it was it was really cool and. Um, you know, we had a lot of people like I still talk to people from that night all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, we had um, 
uh, Wes, who That's actually just Wes. did our, our Vault of Glass yeah. with us. We played with Wes that night. Um, you know, a ton of people. Patrick Weeks showed up. Karen Weeks showed up. Uh, Mike Gamble showed up from Bioware. So yeah, it was we just, just people like dropping it, in and out all night. It was really, really awesome. It was awesome. Uh, Carissa Barrows too, who also showed up, who uh, did the Mass Effect cosplay. She was actually there that night too. She was on my team. Yeah, see, that's crazy. We had a really good night. I think that's yeah. uh, I had I had Natalie on my team that night, so that was kind of like the first time I really got to hang out with uh, Natalie, who who now writes um, you know pretty regularly for for the site, which we really appreciate. Hell yeah, yeah. That's, that was a good one. That's a hard one to top. Yeah, yeah. I but I mean, like, I'm I sure we all have personal <laughs> ones. But I had to start with like. You took the good one, man. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, it's ours. It's not mine. That's should... true. Okay. That's true. Right. Um, okay. The only one that I. I guess I kind of touched on this on the Facebook post, but um, when I was getting married, Mass Effect 2 had just came. It, it had literally had just launched like a couple weeks before I got married, and I was playing the living heck out of it. And, um, you know, pretty much everybody in my wedding party, well, all the groomsmen at least, were kind of gamers, like not like you guys, not like, you know, not big time, except for Mike I was. But, mm. you know, they, everyone played games, but they're not quite as as into games as I was. And I was so just like in love with Mass Effect 2. Still one of my favorite titles of all time. Um, I was like, well, what do I get people for groom's gifts? <laughs> so I got all the all the guys copies of Mass Effect 2 because they hadn't purchased it yet. <clears throat> and it was so cool to hear over the next couple weeks, you know, as they were beating it, they were all texting me with like what kind of characters they were playing, asking me questions, and I was kind of like their you know, their Mass Effect 2 Sherpa for a few weeks. And lo and behold, they all, you know, eventually made their way through the title and ended up uh, liking it. So, you know, it was just neat to have, it sounds super nerdy, but to have Mass Effect actually be part of, you know, my wedding was <laughs> was actually pretty cool. So that was mine. Uh, what Scott said. No. Uh, <laughs> that was the one, though. And I was just reading through ours and I realized, and I remembered that uh, Chris uh, Jenkins was on my team. And uh, oh yeah, I led. Yeah, that's awesome. Jeez, I had no idea. This is like, yeah, this goes all the way back, doesn't it? it yeah, really does. It does. It really we does. had like such a random team. I had him, uh, uh, not a random team, like a random group. It was it was huge, and we were trying to like manage it, and it was insane. Man, I don't know. I'll, I'll go while you're thinking. Yeah, and I think that you know, for me, my original experience with the first Mass Effect was really sort of special. I think. And uh, at the time, I don't even think I had an Xbox 360 because I played the game originally on PC. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love the Mako so much. As I said many times on PC, the (laughs) turret is decoupled from the steering on the Mako. Right. And so on Xbox, you actually have to sort of like look in the direction that you're driving to shoot, you know, or shoot in the direction that you're driving because it all kind of turns together. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I think that. I just remember buying that game and I was like, oh, I've heard of Bioware before because I had just played Knights of the Old Republic and and that was a really good game. So I don't know what this Mass Effect is, but I'm going to check it out, you know, because I was I had no idea. And it was one of those things where it's like, uh, what, like a space game and they're making their own space game. It's not Star Wars. Well, I'll try it. And Yeah. yeah. And then it ended up being really special at the time because I wasn't, you know. I wasn't sort of out in the wild talking to people about it. So it was sort of a very personal experience. And, um, you know, I, I did enjoy visiting all of those planets and just sort of driving around aimlessly trying to figure out what to do. And, 
you know, the first time that you see the Citadel revealed, I've said this many times, is probably one of my favorite cinematic moments in the game where the, you know, the Citadel is first introduced and it kind of sweeps in with that musical soundtrack that goes with it is, is probably one of my favorite, favorite parts of the game. And, uh, I don't know my own personal opinion or feeling is that I think this new mass title might sort of bring back some of the nostalgia of the first one in terms of the planetary exploration and sort of this whole, uh, with the, with the make the, a return. Yeah, the, the whole wonder of space thing that I always, you know, harp on. I, I really think that some of that is going to come back in the next one, but we'll see. We'll see. It's just my sort of my intuition, but that's, uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I, I think so my too. two, my two biggest memories of playing, well, I'll say three. Cause, um, I can't remember the specific time, but I remember we got on to play multiplayer once and it was you, me and Ash and um, who was our team leader? All the, the guy who's, who's, who's the one? Oh, uh, Coles. Coles. General. Oh yeah. Coles. General and Coles. I just remember like, it was like one of those like glorious moments in multiplayer where you feel like it was a real team and everybody was just like always supporting and really working with each other to get through these like crazy things that were happening around us. And it was really kind of awesome. And I don't feel like multiplayer always does that, which is what's kind of mind blowing about mass effect three, I think to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the personal ones in game were, uh, the two times they're the two times ever in my life that I have like, stopped the game and put a controller down and just like walked away and the first one was uh <laughs> the end of two i think it is when you can decide if you're going to destroy the collector ship or not oh yeah oh yeah i remember you. Saw and that. i just was like they're gonna fuck with me i know it they're gonna fuck with me like i want to keep it so bad and i put the controller down and like walked away i literally was just like pacing around my living room trying to decide what bioware was going to do to me if i kept this collector ship <laughs> Like it was all that was going through my mind. I think I was the only one who kept it out of all of us too, right? Yeah, like I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I destroyed um, it. And then, uh, and then the other was uh, the moment where you think Joker's gonna die mm. in the ship mm-hmm. when it uh, starts blowing up and he falls. Right? Am I getting the moment right? No, yeah, that that happens. Yeah, the ship's blowing up. Joker's like kind of cr- crawling through it. Yeah, yeah. That is one of the most tense. Like after I got through that that sequence i stopped playing because i just was like i was all like pins and needles the entire time it's it's just i think that's the thing about the game is that what was amazing about it to me was that one and two were these and three were these solo which are where i love games when i get to just kind of experience a story and like get this awesome you know timeline of things that i get to go through and it, it does it so well such great writing and like impact and it's set in the thing that like Scott and I both really love space, you know, like it's like, that's like my setting over fantasy. I think I like fantasy a lot, but space mm-hmm. is definitely like my number one kind of thing. And, yeah, and, uh, agreed. and then like to top it off, then they gave us multiplayer, which we all kind of half shit on before it came out. And oh, then, I'll, I'll own up to it. I totally yeah, shit on it unjustly. So, but, but, but then know. it comes out and it ends up being the kind of multiplayer experience that, that feels like you and your buddies, you know, it, it just it was like it was like a co- it was like a like a thing that really brought you together with people you know even people that I'd never had met before when we did our community event or when we did mm-hmm. just we would randomly jump on and you guys would have somebody on we'd play with dude and, we logged so many hours in that game oh like, yeah just, and we don't like people still play I realize that but I you know in the in the time that we played I you know I personally logged probably 150 hours in multiplayer 
Oh, for sure. And that was, was like in the middle the of playing everything else. Like, I don't yeah. go back and play it now, even though I should. But, like, at the time, that was a lot to spend just on one component of a game. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I feel like we can probably go on and on. This is one of those games that, while I know our community loves it with us, so I think they're okay when we kind of gush on Mass Effect. But it's one of those games that, that you know, I think sometimes we, we, can, we can be long-winded about just because it, it has meant different things to all of us and done different things, you know, with all of us kind of so it also filled fifty um, percent of the content of our first twenty five episodes. It for sure did. The other fifty percent was Allison Bree. Yeah, there you so, go. I was trying to get our, our long run will never it'll never happen, but our long run conquest to get Allison Bree on this show. Oh, it'll happen. It'll happen. By hook or by crook. We almost thought it was going to at one point. She, you guys she's playing that? her band's playing New York like next week, so there you, you go, Matt. Go just out go just go ask. Her? Just go ask. Hey, I run a Is podcast. Real question. Is their band good? They're not bad. Yeah. We can bring this back full circle, man. Bring it all the way back to episode one. Mass Effect and Allison Brie. Then we can retire. (laughs) Yeah. We can't stop. That's what we're waiting for. That's that's really why we keep going. That's it. Yeah. That last that last episode or two episodes ago where we're like, we just really like talking to each other. It's just really we're just waiting to get Allison Brie on. Oh, and so then, once once we get Allison Brie on, it. the show is over. That's no, it's it. done. Yeah, okay. where are we going to go from there? I guess, yeah, I guess there's nowhere to go. The episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyways, back to what we were talking about. Uh, a lot of you shared your N7 Day memories with us, and uh, we have a Facebook post. It's got everybody's stuff in there. If you want to head over to it's a bit.ly link, so B-I-T dot L-Y, and then the extension is N-A-N-7-D-A-Y, so N-A-N-7-Day. Uh, bitly dot slash na and seven day so you can head over there we'll put the link in the or we'll try to put the link in the show notes we're really I'll, terrible at I'll that. probably do it don't worry I'll try <laughs> then, uh, I'll try to remember and uh, you <laughs> can add yours if you didn't already you know feel free to keep keep sharing that and putting stuff on it it's uh, it's fun it's nice to reminisce about a good game that we all loved so absolutely I always say this but someday we will go back and play Mass Effect three multiplayer when it comes out in a collection for the Xbox One <sighs> oh, oh man. man could you imagine all the frames, all the frames. Oh, I would love that so much. <laughs> so many frames. That'd be great. All right, guys. Let's wrap all it right. up. So we're done. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 178 of the Rated NA podcast. You can email us directly, and that is Matt, Scott, and Ash at nerdappropriate.com. And uh, we do read your emails, so thank you for sending those. And you can follow our Twitter feed, and that's at nerdappropriate. Big welcome to all the new folks that jumped on there after the Freddie Prince Jr. interview a couple weeks back. So... We love you guys. Thanks for hanging out. And uh, also we have a Facebook page that actually has a little bit more activity. And you guys can see photographs of uh, N7 Day and all the N7 Day awesomeness, some tattoos and some some cool shirts and stuff that you probably haven't seen before. And other people in the community that you might know, and that's over on Facebook at Slash Nerd Appropriate on the Facebook. But don't Slash Nerd Appropriate. We're nice don't, guys. Yeah, don't Slash us. Yeah. But um, thank you guys. And we'll be back next week with more Shanann. 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 Maybe again. Hmm.